0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here with us on this Memorial Day weekend, and it uh, seems somewhat appropriate that, as our, as a nation, as a country, as we focus on the remembering those who sacrificed, those who've given their lives, that uh, something that we're going to talk about this morning in our service as well. Uh, this summer, it will have been 13 years since my grandfather, my dad's dad, had passed away, and and he was probably the most influential family member in my life that I can recall, and. Um, my grandfather uh, came to know Christ and chose to follow him with his life in his early, in his late 20s, and, uh, where he lived in the city of Baltimore. And as he started attending a church, became active in that church, and uh, began to teach Sunday school, um, uh, a setting for instruction that was provided in the church for many, many years. And, and he taught a group of men, about 90 men. And he did this for many, many years, probably 30, maybe even 40 years, taught the same group of men. Uh, did life with these guys, vacation with them, spent time with them, and um, um, they were just a part of one another's lives. And uh, one of the difficulties my grandfather would often share with me as he got older is that many of these men were passing away, and he was at many, many of their funerals. And, and by the time he got up into his late 80s, most of these men had passed on, and um, it's very difficult for him to have lost so many of these friends. But at his funeral, I had the privilege to uh, speak at his funeral to... Um, Uh, do a tribute, kind of like a eulogy for his uh, service, and after the service, a number of people, and there were several hundred people at, the fu- at this funeral, and usually when someone has lived that long, kind of into their 90s, they've kind of outlived all of their friends, and there's and unfortunately not a lot of people there left to remember them other than some family, and I, had a very, I have a very small um, extended family. And so I was wondering who all of these people were, and as I began to meet them and talk with them and, and interact with them, I realized these were the sons and daughters and their families of the men that my grandfather had poured his life into. And a valuable lesson was learned by me that day, and that's that the choices that my grandfather made when he was alive had an impact on others after his death. We rarely think about the fact that the choices we make in our lives now will impact others after our lives come to an end. A few years ago, a beloved lady in our congregation, her name was Barb, she developed a disease and and that disease took her life while she was still full of life, and and she was everyone's grandmother, and she would host parties and open her home to you and just loved you, and and, um, she was actually part of our church from the very early days, because at that time, her daughter and son-in-law attended the church, and so when she and her husband Norm would come from out of town, they would uh, come and be a part of the church, and then when he retired, they relocated, they both retired, they relocated in this area and became a part of our church, and Norm is still to this day, but I'll never forget her final hours um, in her home um, when uh, she was on her deathbed, but, but people just wanted to be with her and just wanted to be there with her and spend time with her because of the choices she had made in her life impacted others even at the time of her death. And the reality is, for all of us, death is not something that we think about. Maybe this weekend, because of the focus on Memorial Day and the emphasis for us on the sacrifice and those who've given their lives, we might think about it maybe a little bit more often than we normally do, but it's just not something that comes to most of our minds. Um, You know, we, regardless of our discipline, of our health habits, of our planning, we cannot control when death comes knocking at our door. And this morning, regardless of where you're at in your faith journey, regardless of whether you've um, been following Jesus for a long period of time or you're here on vacation or you're visiting someone and they brought you along this morning, um, I think this is important for all of us to hear because the choices and decisions we make now have an impact way beyond our life here on this earth. And for people of faith, they tend to think about that in some ways because they tend to believe, most people of faith believe, that they can make a decision now that's going to impact their eternal destiny. But I don't think that we consider very often how the choices I make now will affect other people when I'm no longer here. This morning, as you heard Amy say, we're going to wrap up our series entitled Unlikely Hero. It's a series that we started last fall and and, uh, finishing this spring. And it's a series on the life of David. Uh, A man like many heroes who didn't sign up to be a hero, didn't say, pick me, pick me. But God picked him and God said, you're going to be someone that's going to make a difference for me. And that difference came very early when a nine and a half foot giant intimidated the people of Israel. And he stood up to that giant and he ultimately defeated him with a sling and a stone, and then later on, even though he was the people's hero, he was the people's champion, and he won battle after battle. He became an enemy of the king because the king, instead of recognizing this was a rising star in his military um, arsenal that he could use to defeat the hated Philistines, the king's insecurity and the king's fears and the king's desire to please other people and be accepted by other people caused him to attempt to ruin, and destroy, and kill the one that was running right on his heels, and that was David, to the point that David actually went and hid with the Philistines. It was the story we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And so this morning, as we wrap up this story, we're going to come to the final chapter in the story of David as the unlikely hero. But really, the story isn't much about David. It's actually about the protagonist or one who has become the villain, and that's Saul. If you have a Bible with you, if you would turn to 1 Samuel 31, First Samuel 31. You can follow along in a Bible that you have. Our guys have some. They'll pass them out if you don't have one with you this morning. Or you can follow along on a, your phone or on a wireless device. Actually, that says First Samuel 30. It should be 31. That's where we're going to be. First Samuel 31. First Samuel 31. And the last two weeks, if you weren't here with us, I encourage you to go online and listen to the messages on the on our church website, but the last two weeks have been two pictures in contrast, two stark pictures in contrast. Two men, David and Saul, both of them in trouble, both of them needing help. And they both went a different direction to get that help. So Saul was watching his army about to be attacked by a formidable foe, the Philistines. And he attempted to find someone to give him counsel. There was no one available. He couldn't find any person of God, couldn't, couldn't get God to hear his prayers. And so he turned to the only person he could think of to give him some direction, and that was a witch, a medium, to try to reach the prophet Saul. He reached her all right. Under the cover of darkness, he went and found her. And then spoke to the spirit of Saul, Samuel, excuse me, spoke to the spirit of Samuel, but he didn't hear any good news from Samuel. He only heard what he'd been hearing all along that judgment was coming, and actually his judgment day was going to be the next day, and this was his last day to live. David, on the other hand, was also in trouble. You see, David had gone to hide with the Philistines, Israel's archenemy at that time. And as they were about to go to battle with the the Israelites, the Philistine commander said to their king, Achish, what in the world are you doing? You got their best commander at our backside, he's going to wipe us out and we're not even going to know it. Send that guy home. So he went home. And as he gets home, he comes to discover that his village, his town, had been invaded while the troops were away. And his wives, his wives and children were gone. Every family of every military man, their families were all gone as we looked at last week. Their possessions stolen, their village sacked and burned. And David, as his men are about to stone him, says, God, what do I do? And he doesn't go to anyone else. He goes to God and finds his strength. And he tells God what's going on and he's honest with his emotions And he talks to him about his situation and he reminds himself about his God. And the the narrator says this, it says, David found his strength in the Lord his God. And it gave him the capacity to go back in and lead his men, even though they were ready to stone in and said, let's look to God for direction. They found direction from God and they eventually pursued this army that had taken their family hostage, defeated the army soundly, recovered all of their possessions, and eventually made their way back home. Two men, both in trouble, both needing help. They both seek different solutions to solve the problem that they were faced with. And so that's what took place over the last couple of weeks. And chapter 31 likely begins after Saul has gone to see the medium. And while David is probably on his way back to find this awful discovery that we looked at last week. So these events are kind of rearranged. They're not in, they're not in chronological order, but they're rearranged to communicate a message. And so while, the troops are, while David is heading back, Saul is now preparing to engage in battle. And in the previous chapters, it tells us that the Philistines had organized their troops and by tens and thousands, they had gathered there to, to, go, to do battle. The text also says that Saul, the king, the lead warrior, was fearful. He was afraid. And so this was an intimidating situation that he had found himself in. Look in verse 1 in 1 Samuel 31. It says, The Philistines fought against, the, fought against Israel. The Philistines fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. You can see from the map that's going to come up on the screen where the fighting's taken place. The fighting's taken place in the Jezreel Valley. And the Philistine troops had come up from the south. The Israelite troops had gathered from the north, and they had met there in that valley. And that's often where the battles would take place. And so the Philistines were winning the battle. They were defeating the Israelites. And it goes on to say that in verse 2, they were a hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Likely what happened is as the fighting intensified in the valley, the, the Israelites began to retreat. They began to withdraw up on the hillside, because if you're on the hillside, you have a better vantage point. The high ground is always where you want to be, because you can not only see your foe, but you can direct your tar- You can direct the attack in the most strategic way, versus with your own ground level, you can't see them. And so as they made their way back up the hillside to defend themselves, the Philistines, instead of following them on foot or on horseback or chariot, it says that they unleashed arrows on them and wiped out many more individuals, ultimately killing Saul's three sons. We don't really know what this form of combat is like because we don't use arrows in combat and haven't in our country for several hundred years. But it was very common back then, and as we've watched the movies portray events of the Middle Ages and other times, we've seen what that looks like. And the force and the devastation of these arrows that rained down on them, that took their lives, and Saul also likely took an arrow and was critically wounded at that moment in time. Saul now has to make a decision of what he is going to do. He could have surrendered to the enemy, but he knew that probably wasn't going to end well. Look what he says in verse 4. He says to his armor bearer, draw your sword, run me through, or these uncircumcised foes will come and run me through and abuse me. He said, they're going to kill me anyways, and they're they're also going to mistreat me, humiliate me. Who knows what's going to happen? Just take my life. The armor-bearer wisely refuses. It said he was terrified and he would not do it. Why do you think he was terrified? Well, obviously, he knows they're in dire straits right now. He wisely chose not to do it. Who's going to believe that the king told you to kill him when the king's dead? That's not a good place to be for the armor-bearer. And so he said, I'm not going to do it. And so the narrator goes on to tell us what happens as Saul then falls on his sword and takes his own life. In verse 5, when the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead... He too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. Regardless of what you think about Saul and the decisions that he made, this is the end of an era. This is the end of a reign. The king has died and it's not something to move past very quickly. Because not only has the king died but his three oldest sons who would have been next in line to the throne have all died. All in the same battle. Most of us know that something happened to our president our vice president would take over. Anybody know who takes over if something happens to the vice president? Speaker of the House, who's Paul Ryan. Anybody know who takes over if something happens to Paul Ryan? Anybody know who would be next? President Pro Tem, which I think is Orrin Hatch. I think that's who they call him. Um, But I mean, just take a moment and think about that. Your nation loses the top four leaders in an instant. They're gone. They're gone. What does that do to a nation? What does that do to people? In those days, the king was everything. And in those days, when the king died, there was no way of knowing what was about to take place. They would lose their sense of identity, they would lose their sense of direction, they would lose their most strategic leader. Often the death of a king, and especially the death of the king and the death of his sons, would set that nation up to be taken over by opposing forces. And if they're taken over by opposing forces, there's no way of knowing what comes next. They would likely be chased from their homes. They could lose their lives and everything they have. They could be captured and required to be slaves. They could be deported to another country. And so this was an overwhelming sense of uncertainty for these people. And the one military leader all throughout this story that always defeated the enemies, David, is nowhere to be found. His name is not even mentioned in the story. You see, the decisions that Saul had made while he was alive had an impact after his death. And his death left his nation scattered, fearful, and uncertain about the future. And if we take a moment and think about this statement, the choices you make now will have an impact after your death, there's a lot of truth to that. Because if you rack up a lot of financial debt and you, your life comes to an end, someone's got to pay the piper. Or if you don't prepare for that to happen and, and people that you love or family that you love and they need someone to provide for him, and you're no longer there, then who's going to do that? Your financial choices have an impact after your death. What about your relational choices? What about fractured relationships, or words that are said that you don't go back and deal with, or heartache or abuse, all those things that take place, and then those individuals die and pass away, and you're left with the carnage of it. It's often in a conversation with someone that's working through things in their lives that That I'll have a conversation with them, and they'll say something to me like this. They'll say, I wish I could go back and fix things, but they're gone. Your relationship choices have an impact far past your death. What about your faith? For some people, your faith in God or your lack of faith in God has an impact. But what about what you believe about God? And what about what you believe about the church? And what about your level of hope and confidence and trust in God? All of those things impact the circle of people in your life far beyond when you are here. And so sadly, Saul and his three sons die on the battlefield and there's no one there. There's no one there. Well, it's no surprise that when The king dies, that the word spreads quickly through his troops. And look what happened in verse 7. When the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled, and Saul and his sons had died, what did they do? They abandoned their towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. Exactly what we said might happen. They heard that the king was dead. They heard that the army was retreating, and they got out of there as fast as they could, as far removed from the battlefield as they could. And the Philistines... Just took over. Just took over. And at that moment in time, what would begin to happen is the Philistines would begin to go back over the battlefield. And as they went back over the battlefield that they had just chased the Israelites from, and they would go back over the troops that had fallen, they would begin to pick up pieces of armor. They would begin to pick up some some swords and some spears. They would begin to look for any spoils of war that were out there that they could take for themselves. And as they began to collect these spoils of war, in verse 8, that's when they came upon Saul. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. Likely they did not know. You didn't want to tell the enemy that your king is dead because all of a sudden that gives them momentum. That gives them energy. That gives them what they need to even advance further because they know you are a rudderless ship. You have no one at the helm. And they can smell blood in the water. Well, they found Saul, and what did they do? They did exactly what he feared they would do. They cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their gods and among all of their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashtaroths and fastened his body to a wall of Beth-shan. say, why did they do that? I understand why they cut his head off. I understand they stripped it. I understand they spread the word to tell everybody the king is dead. But why would they take his body and hang his body inside a temple to a false god, to their god? Why would they do that? Well, in that culture, it was often believed, as many of the ancient Near Eastern cultures, the king of the land was often viewed as a deity. The Roman emperor was viewed as a deity. It was very common in ancient Near Eastern practice uh, uh, cultures for the ruler to be viewed as a deity, almost as a god. And so when you defeated the king, you defeated their god. And so they hung his body there as a symbol to picture that their god had won, that they had defeated him. And he was no more. His worst fear being humiliated by the enemy actually came to take place this tragic story of a king whose choices and decisions impacted others even after his death ends with a note of heroism that leaves us a bit scratching our heads It says there in verse 11, When the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men marched through the night to Bethshan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh, where they burned them, and they took the bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh. And they fasted for seven days to grieve his loss. Why did these people do this? Why this king, who no one was willing to to be there at his own death and left his body just to rot on the battlefield, why would these men be willing to rescue, to give their lives to rescue him? Well, the reason goes all the way back to 1 Samuel 11. And I want you to turn there. I want to tell you the story. But maybe make a note of that and go back and read it on your own. Because in 1 Samuel 11, there's a story about this community. The map's going to come up on the screen. This community called Jabesh Gilead, and um, you can see where that is located. I think we'll get an arrow there that'll click on the. Okay. okay. You can see it's not that far from Beth where the temple is. But what happened in the people of Jabesh Gilead is they were surrounded by an opposing tribe called the Ammonites. And the Ammonites said to them, they said, either you have seven days, if you don't give yourself up, we're going to come in and wipe you out and take you over. They cut them off there was no they couldn't get they couldn't get out somehow they got word out past the ammonites and the word came to saul that they were trapped and that they needed help within seven days and so what saul did is saul slaughtered an ox and then he sent a piece of the ox to each one of the tribes of judah and of israel imagine that you know amazon prime express you know you open the box and there's a chunk of an ox there you know in your box you know you are know, like, what is this for, and what is that? I'm sure there was a messenger in some way telling you what the piece of ox was. Because what Saul did is he sent this chunk of an ox to all these 12 tribes, and then he basically said, you better get all capable, able-bodied men, better show up and be prepared to go into battle, or this is what's going to happen to all of you. And they all listened to Saul. Who listened to Saul? Nobody was listening to Saul at the end of his life, but early on, they all listened to Saul. And the narrative goes on to tell us in the story, what happens is that the Spirit of God came upon him and Saul gathered all of these troops and he led them into battle and he defeated the Ammonites and he saved the people of Jabesh Gilead. His actions impacted people beyond his death. His actions before impacted people beyond his death that he was left alone to die on the battlefield and be humiliated and shamed. But his actions to this one community, in which he showed courage and valor and leadership, enabled him to save them. And the result is when their lives, when Saul was dead and gone, they were willing to give up their lives, to put their lives at risk, to simply rescue His bones. Amazing story. Powerful contrast. Saul, in the end, was abandoned by God, abandoned by men, and and in Saul's life, he rejected the voice of God. He rejected, and he sought instead to listen to the voice of the people, and he was held hostage to their opinions, and it cost him everything in the end the people of Jabesh Gilead, they were rescued by Saul. And when his body was desecrated and humiliated by the Philistines, they were put their lives at risk to simply give him, what? A decent burial. That was it. That was it. The choices you make now, the decisions of your life now, will have an impact beyond your death. And as I mentioned earlier, most of us don't think about death. It's not really something on our radar. Until something in life happens that causes us to realize our days might be numbered. We have a a gentleman who attends our church who just recently um, was told that his heart was no longer um, working properly and if he didn't get a new heart, he was going to die. And fortunately, in God's mercy and grace, he provided a new heart for this, this gentleman. And he's, um, I was talking to his wife this morning. He's got about another two weeks. Um, and he's hopefully going to come home with a brand new heart. But this was a guy that was looking at his days being numbered because of a health condition. But most of us don't think about that. Most of us don't think about the choices and decisions I make now will impact others when my life comes to an end. Will impact others when my life comes to an end. I mean, the amazing thing about Saul is when he went to battle at Jabesh Gilead, it says the Spirit of God was upon him. Saul, who would hide behind people, was taken by God and placed down in front of people, was given courage, was demonstrated leadership. Unfortunately, he rejected the voice of God in his life and was more willing to follow the voice of the people. And rather than saving his people from the enemy, the Philistines, he was hell-bent on chasing David, the one who could rescue his people. One of the sayings in our house that my kids hear often is, "Your your choices have consequences, so choose wisely. Your choices have consequences, so choose wisely. And the truth is, the reality is that I think all of us would acknowledge that when we make a bad choice, there's something that's going to come about as a result of that. And if you make a series of bad choices, you're going to have to live with those choices. And maybe some of you this morning, as I've talked about choices and decisions, you can take a step back and you reflect on, no, that was not a good decision. Oh, that was a bad decision. I should have never never dated him. I should have stayed away from her. Why did I put my money there? Who, what was I thinking taking that job? I mean, we can look back at our lives as, as you have a certain amount of life, in, life behind you and see choices and decisions and the impact that those things had on your future and on your life right now. Some of you, especially our students, you're looking out ahead of life and you don't have a lot of those choices and decisions. But if you sat with people in this room, many of them would say... Choose carefully. Choose wisely. Because your choices will impact the rest of your life. And the reality is the choices I make now, there's huge consequences. Whether I'm 15 or whether I'm 50, they're massive consequences. Self-absorbed living will result in you having a lot of stuff but no one to share it with. Hidden anger will eat away at your soul and eventually drive away people that you love. Unaddressed lust will result in actions and decisions that will keep you from knowing true love. And walking away from God may result in silence from Him at that moment in time when you most need His help. Not only in this life, but in the life to come, our choices have consequences. One of the things the Bible is very clear about is that it's appointed unto man once to die. We only get one time to walk through death. And then the Bible says after that judgment... But the Bible also says that for those individuals that in the course of their life on this earth that choose to follow Jesus and to give their lives to Him, that instead of them paying the consequence for their sins and for all of their actions and choices, that Jesus has done that for them. And in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion. And we're going to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And um, God says... Jesus will stand in for you. And instead of you having to appear before the judge and pay the fine, pay the piper, pay the consequences for your actions and your choices, Jesus has already paid them for you. But if you've ignored that, if you've rejected that, the Bible says that God will not leave the guilty unpunished. You see, the choices that you and I make now not only affect you, but they affect others when your life comes to an end. Some of you looking back on those choices look back on them with a lot of regret. But one of the amazing things about life and one of the amazing things about God is He always gives us an opportunity to start a new day. One of the things that we say in our nights group to our guys all the time, because a lot of men live with regrets about things they either did do or things they didn't do or things they wish they would have done. As we always say, every day begins the opportunity to turn the page, turn the page and start a new day. To start a new day. And God offers that to us as well. Maybe you look back in life and there's some bad choices, some bad decisions And you wish you could turn back the clock, but unfortunately it's not possible. But God says, I've allowed those to happen in your life for a reason. And you have the opportunity to start a new day. To start again relationally, to start again financially, to start again in figuring out what does it look like to love God with everything that you have inside of you. You know, as we think about this weekend in which we... Remember those who gave their lives, the ultimate sacrifice. Um, I asked myself, why did they do that? Why were they willing to do that? You're going to see a quote late, a little bit later that talks about their love for their country. That's what motivated them to do that, their willingness to sacrifice what motivated them. they made choices and decisions in their lives that impacted the lives of others way beyond their death we live with the freedoms that we enjoy today the freedoms in our country the freedoms of our faith because of the incredible sacrifices to others and the choices and decisions that they made that impacted our lives way after their death I want to invite you to bow your heads for just a moment with me. And and as you do, I just want you to think about your life. And, and maybe you're at a place in your life where you're just saying, God, I, I want to make good decisions. I want to make wise decisions. I don't want to make decisions I'm going to regret. And you're just willing to offer your heart to God and say, God, help me do this. Maybe you've made some that you'd regret that you wish you could redo. You wish God gave you a mulligan on this one, a do-over. But he says, I don't want you to live with the guilt and the shame. I want you to recognize that part of a relationship with Jesus means that He's taken those things for you. taken all of those things on your behalf so that you can enjoy freedom and joy and hope and peace